Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach podcast. And I am here with yet another high demand coach, and that is the one and only Peter Christian. He was a founding partner and president of ESPY, a business consulting firm in Northeastern Pennsylvania. And previously, he was an executive at Crayola Corporation and played a key role in 700% growth of the company. He's got 40 years of experience in strategic planning and facility planning, CI lean and supply chain management. He's helped co companies to realize millions of dollars in cost savings and profit improvements, adding and retaining thousands of jobs. He's authored Amazon best-selling books, which include What About the Vermin Problem and Influences and Influencers. Well, Peter, I'm so excited to dive into some of this with you. Uh, with a career like that and book titles like that, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, but before we get there, I'd love to hear a little bit of your backstory. What were you doing before getting into coaching and consulting, and how did you ultimately make the leap? Well, I was working in a corporate environment. Uh and got out of that and got into the consulting world to uh, work with other folks and to hopefully help them. Uh, and the leap was because I was looking at what the next thing was going to be in my life, and my career. And a person who was advising me said, well, you know, you've been in kind of the consulting world, whether you realize it or not, through the kind of work that you've done in the corporate world. So you should probably take a look at that. Now, I had had that opportunity to do it when I had first come out of school, but I didn't feel I was ready for that, uh, not having had a lot of real-world life experience in the business world. I didn't feel I was ready to be the person to kind of talk to folks who had 20, 30, 40 years of experience in business and tell them what they were doing wrong and what they should be doing right, and for them to say to me, well, you're doing that based on what? So after having been in the in the business world and had faced a lot of challenges and dealt with a lot of stuff and had been a consultant, so to speak, I thought I was ready for that now. So that was when I took that plunge into that world and, and became a consultant, mentor, coach, whatever you want to label it, uh, all of the above, and, uh, and was fairly successful at it. Well, wow, fantastic. So... Fast forward then to today, uh, you're working with companies uh, in the U.S., Europe, around the world. What would you say some of the most important work that you're doing today? Uh, right now, it's mentoring folks that are having difficulties uh, with their business for one uh, reason or another. Uh, they may not be ready to close the door. I don't tend to like to deal with companies like that 
because they're too far gone at that point. Now it's into really drastic types of things, and that's not what I'm looking at. It's more companies that aren't or individuals that aren't getting to where they feel they should be. Uh, they're still fairly successful, uh, but not as successful as they would like to be or could be. Uh, so dealing with those folks to find out what the problems are, what's holding them back, and then to uh, to help them to, to move ahead. Uh, similarly, I'm working with a lot of students. I'm involved in a couple of different universities and uh, to try to help them to get their feet on the ground so they understand what to expect when they get out in the working world, uh, what their role could and should be, uh, and how they can go about being the most effective people that they can be uh, uh, once they finally uh, do start working full time. Wow. Wow. Now, one of the things I mentioned as I was doing some research for the episode I saw on your site, you, you kind of link uh, production and profit, uh, right? And and you make this uh, the statement that those two aren't, aren't actually directly linked. Sometimes you can have greater production and actually less profit. So the, why is it that those two don't move together and what can we do about it? Uh, well, too often individuals or companies look at just growth uh, without realizing that it's got to be profitable growth. Uh, okay. So even while their business is expanding uh, and they're getting more revenue, they're not necessarily making more money. In some cases, they're making less money. Uh, so you've really got to pay attention to what, what it is that you're getting involved in and what kind of growth you're having. Okay. And that, again, the profitability is going up. Uh, commensurate with the revenue growth. If you're growing 10%, your profit should be growing by at least 10%, if not more. If not, then again, you're not doing things the right way and you've got to step back and say, what is it that I'm doing or not doing as the case may be that I need to improve upon? Uh, in a lot of cases, you deal with large clients uh, and it's wonderful to have them, but if you're not making money, if it's costing you money to do business with them, then you got to step back and say, hey, wait a minute here, something's wrong. Either I'm dealing with the wrong client or I'm dealing incorrectly with that client and I've got to, you know, get things squared away. Otherwise, uh, very successful businesses all of a sudden aren't so successful anymore. Uh, and now they're, they're, they're struggling because of that. Well, I actually saw this happen uh, in the business that I ran before uh, Before this. We had a, a legacy line uh, of business and it was kind of nearing its ed end of life. We didn't want it to be nearing its end of life, but it's like, this is this is rough. And uh, what we didn't realize was it, not just that, you know, it was costing us focus, it was costing us money. It was costing us a ton of money. We cut over a million dollars off of our top line by by just, we cut cold turkey on it. Uh, ended up having to give back uh, because of the way that we turned off. We refunded some of our customers around $300,000, something like that in in returns or write-offs. And we still added a million dollars to our bottom line the next year. And that to me was just like absolutely stunning because before that they had kind of moved together, right? Like yeah. they, they had moved in sequence. And so uh, I think that's something that if you're not watching, if you're not, and I love that you said, if you're adding revenue, your profit needs to go up with it because if we let those start to slip, that gap just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So you really got to pay attention to that profitable revenue growth, not just revenue growth. Right. And uh, so 
One of the things that I had, because you're working with a lot of really great teams, but one of the things I know from my work and, and uh, I saw it in some of what you had written is this idea of kind of symptom chasing, right? We're going after symptoms. Uh, so yes. my question for you is what are some of the symptoms the teams you're working with are chasing that are actually distracting them from the root issues? Um, well, with any organization, there's a set of priorities that you need to follow. Uh, and when you're having uh, issues, okay, and you're not moving ahead, what is it that you're actually working on? Is it the stuff that is going to make a difference, or is it just stuff that, yeah, it's kind of annoying, okay, uh, but spending a lot of time on it isn't going to, to necessarily move you ahead? For instance, let's talk about productivity. Uh, there are a number of organizations I've dealt with say, you know, our, our manufacturing folks just aren't producing the way they should be, okay? And, and when you really need to get them straightened out. So go in and talk to the manufacturing folks, say, what are you dealing with on a regular basis? They said, they drive us nuts in the office. You know, we just about set up to run a particular item uh, and they tell us, no, 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 we have this emergency. You need to, to tear everything down and reset the production lines or whatever the case may be. So we go ahead and we do that. We just about getting done doing that. And they say, up, 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 you know, go back to what you're originally going to do. So now they've got to reset the line to what they're originally going to do. Okay. And they haven't run anything and they've spent an awful lot of time. Uh, and their you know, company's still spending money doing it again, profit over revenue growth. Uh, so that their people have spent a lot of time and produced nothing in the end. And then they won, and then they they blame the the people on the production floor for not being productive. Well, they're causing them to not be pro productive by having them do foolish things. So when you set somebody to produce an item, let them produce it. All right. Uh, guess what? Somebody else's emergency is not yours, and if they cause that problem, then they've got to wait a little bit until. You're ready in order to, to, to do whatever you need to do for them. But if you keep jerking your production people around, all right, uh, you're going to cause yourself problems. And you may satisfy your customer, may satisfy, again, uh, may not satisfy them anyway. Uh, but in the end, you're not satisfying your own needs. And there's got to be that good balance in there. I've seen a lot of that where companies are working on the wrong thing. They want to be so helpful to their client that in the end it's costing them time and, and dollars and maybe even business by doing so. I had one client where uh, they would hold time for their customers on their line to the point where uh, by the time they found out that the client didn't need that production time, it was too late to get anybody else to do it. So what I said to them is, guess what? You charge them for it. And if they don't use it, then you're still making money. So that gives them incentive now to use that production time. Or what you say is, guess what? We will try to fit you in if we can, but we're not holding the, the stuff for you because you can't have it both ways. You can't ask us to hold our production for you so you can make a last minute decision and then decide at the last minute that ah, we don't need it. And now you're, you're, basically screwed. You you can't do anything with their production. So they started to do it. And guess what? All of a sudden, people were using that time that they had paid for, okay, 
uh, as opposed to just kind of fritting it away and saying, ah, I don't need it now. Uh, because again, they didn't care. It didn't cost them anything. Yeah. So uh, you've really got to use your head when you're, you're dealing with clients. Try to be as accommodating as you can, but you can't be, it, it can't be all one-sided. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is such a thing as too nice, right? There, and there is too flexible. And there are things that, uh, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is there's a couple kind of local vendors around here, uh, uh, and I won't name who they are because they may not like this or not, but there are people who I know who will be very, very flexible, right? I show up and they'll take care of me no matter what. Uh, I get the sense that it annoys them, but they do it, right? And so uh, for me, it's like, it, I like the flexibility of not having, you know, I don't know what my schedule is going to look like. I want the flexibility coming in anytime. But if they just told me one day, hey, you need to schedule at least a day in advance, I would go on their site and schedule, right? It, and and they wouldn't lose me. It wouldn't change anything. It'd be a heck of a lot easier for them to schedule. So there is, and I, there is a point where if you're flexible, people will take you up on that. And they may, they'll probably even like it, but would they be willing to pay for it? That's what I love about that story. No. Well, even at Crayola, and Crayola was a great company, we decided to get into just-in-time at, at the point where that was such a, a big to-do. Unfortunately, some of our executives decided it was going to be Crayola just-in-time. So we were dealing with the Japanese who were great at just-in-time. Well, what you don't realize is that just-in-time to them is you put your order in and a month or two months or whatever, then they run it for you. And it's just-in-time for them. Well, at Crayola, we decided we would take the order and within the next week, try to make that happen for them. Okay. It wasn't just in time. All right. Uh, so, and we were struggling immensely with it because we weren't doing it the way it was designed and intended to be. All right. So be careful when you start to put your own spin on something that somebody else has invented and is doing. And you better do it the same way they're doing it. Otherwise, you're in for some disaster. The Japanese, they didn't care. You know, hey, we get our stuff. You know, we can place an order and we can change it. We can. You can't do that with the Japanese. And we found that out. We came out with a product. We put our order in. Three months, we were going to get it. We decided that we needed to do more. They said, good, that'll add another three months. Uh, did it again, another three months. All of a sudden, we were up to nine months. And we didn't have any product. Guess what? We pulled the plug on it. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a there's a delicate balance here because, like you said, you want to be as uh, as flexible and as accommodating as you can. Uh, but I again, I think the kind of genius behind the the story that you told and the advice that you gave is: Are they willing to pay for it? Right. We'll hold this time for you, but are you willing to pay for it? Uh, another story that comes to mind was Walmart. You know, they they would do customer uh, service. You probably know this story. And every time they found out, you know, what did people think about their stories? They said they're too crowded, right? And they don't look nice. It just every, every time. And so they decided to make a store that looked nice and the shelves weren't too crowded, right? They, they had less stuff on the shelves and it underperformed. I'm not even going to make up a percentage, but it underperformed wildly. And so just because people want it doesn't mean that they're willing to pay for it. And if and what I like to to tell folks, and I think you'd agree with this, is you have to add value in, in the customer's eyes, right? And the wonderful thing about the world of business is that there's money to define that, right? There, there's a dollar number to define that. And it's not all of everything or the end all be all. But uh, yeah, if they're not willing to pay for it, do they really value it? 
right? You need to value what the cost of doing business with somebody is. And if you're not making the kind of money that you expect to be making, then either you've got to change the value proposition or you got to change the customer. Okay. And sometimes you got to fire the customer because they're just not profitable for you. And it's a tough thing to do. Nobody wants to fire a customer. Uh, but when they're taking advantage of you and you're not making money, then you better, uh, you better make that decision. Cause guess what? Then the next customer will find out the next customer and everybody will want you to treat them the same way that they are that one. And now you got a real problem on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I found as I was getting ready for the episode was this idea, and it was even uh, there's even a bit about it in your bio, is this idea of cost reductions, right? And you helping teams uh, reducing costs, which unfortunately in this day and age is basically a code word for layoffs for, for, a, for a lot of folks. But that's yeah. not the case with you. Uh, and you make a point of that. So how is it that you help folks to reduce costs while retaining, maybe even adding employees? Okay. Again, going back to Crayola days, we did a lot of that. But what we determined was, and we were true when we said our our people are our most valuable resource, uh, we really meant it because there were other companies that said that and didn't need it, okay? Um, because there, there was that old saying, our, comp uh, our people are our most valuable resource, like all resources they depreciate over time. They kind of left that part out. So we, uh, But what we did is when we went to make improvements, if it re required reducing some uh, some crewing or, or whatever in a certain area, we took the people out of there, but we didn't let them go because as a growing enterprise, we knew that in a short space of time, we were going to need more people in another area. So we would find things for them to do that were still constructive. Okay. And then as the business grew, we didn't have to add more people. We had them already available and they were trained. Okay. And we could utilize them. Now, finance didn't like that. And they would go, well, you said that you're saving money, but you haven't let anybody go. And we would try to explain it to them. Some of them got it. Some of them didn't get it. But what it did was it created a loyalty because people knew that their jobs were not at stake. Okay. Uh, they were willing to help to find ways in order to make improvements. All right. Because again, their jobs were not at stake. Uh, and uh, again, it, it made good business sense because we were growing. So we would always find opportunities in order to put person that we moved from one area into another area. And it all worked out. In one case, over a three-year period, we were able to reduce costs and not take a price increase. Now, how many companies can you say or know of that can make that claim that over a three-year period, they saved enough money that they didn't have to take a price increase or pass costs on to, uh, yeah. to their clients. And we were able to do that because we were very smart and we were very good at it. So I am a big proponent of you do not go and cut heads, all right? It's too easy to do, like you said, uh, that unfortunately is kind of the way it is anymore today. Uh, because word gets out and your people aren't going to cooperate because they don't want to lose their jobs. Okay. In fact, if anything, they're going to slow down a little bit to more ensure their jobs. Uh, and it's the wrong way to go about it. And again, if, if you're a good company, you're built on having good people who you've trained and who are excellent at what they do. 
And the last thing you want to do is lose them because when you need more people, they're gone. They went somewhere else. They found something else. And also the word has gotten out. Be careful about working for that company because when push comes to shove, they'll let you go if they need yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, so here's a question I like to ask all my guests, and and I'm fascinated to hear what you have to say to it. But what would you say is the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish everybody listening or watching today knew? Are you really committed to doing what you say you're going to do? Too many people say they are that they're they're committed, but when push comes to shove. When they're faced with the reality of the changes that are necessary, and sometimes it may involve them, okay, when they look in the mirror, they find out they're the problem. Are they willing to make the changes that are necessary in order to to, to do what uh, needs to be done in order to move them ahead? Uh, there are a lot of people who are very dishonest about that, okay? They say that they're going to be committed. They say that they want to make change. But when they're faced with it, uh, I would say I've run into at least 50-50 where they haven't been uh, willing to do that, uh, in some cases more than that. And the really successful clients that I've had, they are committed, all right? They say, and they, they tell you straight out, they say, we would be crazy not to. Why would we hire you? Why would we spend the money that we're doing? Okay, why would we take the time and the effort and all that stuff? Those are the smart ones. Unfortunately, there are a lot that think that people like myself, maybe yourself, have this magic wand that we wave and everything is going to be fine. And, you know, they don't have to worry about it. They don't have to, you know, uh, make hard decisions. They don't have to make changes. Well, that's craziness. Okay, if it was that easy, anybody could do it. All right, because wands cheap and easy to get. Uh, and it is hard work to make the, the, the changes that are necessary. Uh, it takes effort. Uh, yeah, every now and again, you're going to run across something, you know, where something miraculous happens and, and you get a big benefit. But that's one in a million shot. And that's what, not what you're banking on. You're banking on ongoing hard work, effort, paying attention to the business. And if you do... You won't get yourself in the problems that you're going to get yourself in. And if you do, like what happens, you know, with the COVID uh, deal or back in 2008 when we had the mortgage crisis and the borrowing dried up for a while, companies can survive that. All right. They didn't anticipate it, but they're, they're strong enough that they can survive it. The ones that don't plan it and don't do stuff up front, they're the ones that suffer the most and, and scream the most about it. So I'd say that's deep, dark secret is there's no magic wand. It's hard work, okay? And it's commitment. And it's doing what you say you're going to do, actually doing it as opposed to just saying you're going to do it. Yeah, so true. So true. And uh, another question for you here. I'm actually going to have you take off your coach hat for a moment, put on okay. your, your CEO hat, kind of okay. jump down into the ring with the rest of us. And All tell right. us, what's the next stage of growth look like for you and your business and what challenge we have to overcome to get there? Uh, it's to reach out to as many folks as I can, all right, through shows like your own, uh, through the teaching that I'm doing and the school that I'm involved with wants me to teach more and more and more. They told me until it becomes uh, uncomfortable for me where I'm saying, stop, wait a minute, I can't handle all this, uh, to, to really get out to as many people as I can. 
All right. Uh, and through shows like your own that have many, many viewers, I certainly get to do that uh, through expanding uh, the, the teaching that I'm doing, uh, taking on opportunities with schools where I'm on some boards that uh, help to uh, make decisions on the curriculum for students and actually mentor them and, and advise them and, and work with them on their projects, that type of thing. Uh, it's more about giving back at this point. You know, I, I spent a long time in the business world, both as an executive and then consulting to business people. Uh, and now I just want to share the knowledge that I've gained over that time to help as many people as I can. That's so that's what it looks like. I love that, Peter. Well, uh, before I let you go, uh, there's uh, folks out there that could deeply, deeply benefit from getting to know you a little bit better and, and possibly getting hold of your books. So where can we find more out about what you do and how can we get a copy of your books? Okay. Uh, to get a copy of my books, uh, if you go on any of the big uh, book uh, channels on the internet, Amazon, you know, that little uh, company that we all talk about, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, many of the other uh, book outlets. I think there are 14 or 15 that I'm listed on, but those are the biggies. Uh, you go on there and look for What About the Vermin Problem and Influences and Influencers and my name, and you Boom, they will pop up. In a lot of cases, if you find one, they'll say, oh, you like that one by the other one, you know, as a set and, and that, so you can do that. Uh, to get in touch with me personally, I, I am on LinkedIn. So look for Peter Christian and look for this gorgeous space. And uh, there is a, if you want to connect, if you want to talk, if you want to follow, whatever the case may be, uh, all of the above. Uh, I have a website, which is phchristian.com books.com or no i'm sorry pchristianbooks.com forget the first one pchristianbooks.com uh and there is a place on there where you can send me a note uh, you can read all sorts of things that i've written uh articles and so forth and you can comment on them or say i would like to chat some more uh or you can email me and now it's at ph phchristian53 at gmail.com. Send me a note, say, I heard you on Scott's show and I really like what I heard. And I would like to talk to you about whatever your situation is. And, and we can do that and see where it goes. So phchristian53 at gmail.com. So any one of those three. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Peter, thank you so much for being on the show. I, uh, as a recipient of uh, your giving back, I just want to say thank you. And for Everyone out there that is listening or watching, you know your time and attention mean the world to us. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I know I did, and I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content 
to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes, go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.